Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni, and tonight we have a very special guest with us to talk some NCAA basketball seeding. Uh, with me is Shelby Mast. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at, at @bracketwag, and he is the USA Today bracketologist, and he is one of the best in the business. He uh, likes to talk hoops and likes to share his information. So, Shelby, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast. Brian, thanks for having me. So uh, let's get right to it, uh, Shelby. Um, if you could share with our listeners a little bit about the selection process, and, and I'll, I'll share what, how we do it too, but how do you go about when you get ready to start your seating and start your bracket and every day you update it, what are some of the things you look for first? Well, I've listened to what the committee, committee says they look for, and what I've taken from that is they want they, they use RPI, which a lot of people hate, but I right. like it, uh, and that's what they use. So that's what I'm going to use. They want, uh, and they've changed the criteria a little bit this year, but they're looking for uh, impressive road wins, a solid strength of schedule, and not too many bad losses. And yeah. so you, you mentioned spreadsheets. I've got one where I kind of filter all that out. Yeah, and um, the, they changed it this year to a tier system uh, accounting for different RPI wins based on location. <laughs> How do you think that's going so far in, in the process? Uh, is it helping you? Is it harder uh, to, to make those selections? I, I don't, I don't want to say harder, maybe a little more time consuming uh, because now where they used to have like four groups that were just cut and dried. Now mm -hmm. there's four groups that have three subgroups for each one. Cause I really believe that they're going to treat a home win versus number 30, as opposed to a road win versus number four a little bit different. Even though they fall in the same group, it's more impressive to win at the number four team than to beat the number 30 team at home. And so I try to differentiate all those, and hopefully they'll do the thing this year where they do the top four seeds. That'll give us a clear picture of how we're doing. Right. And, and you know, you made a good point there because my next uh, question to you is quality of wins. And I think those subcategories that you just mentioned go to the quality of wins inside a tier. We can look at a spreadsheet and – you know, Purdue has six tier one wins, but where do they fall in those? How quality of wins are those? And um, Right. So how do you pick those? Do you, do you just go to the team sheet, go to each team's schedule? Yes. I use uh, warrennolan.com. You're okay. familiar with that site. Yep. He, his RPI stacks up 100% with what the NCAA uses. And actually some members of the NCAA prefer his site uh, over their sheet because it's kind of laid out a little bit easier to use. But I do my spreadsheet. What I have changed it this year is I break down the tiers and the sub tiers, and it's a weighted uh, system. So you get basically more bonus points for a, a tier one road win than you do for a tier one home win. That that's interesting, and and uh, you know we we look at the numbers first, and then we go dive into the team sheets second when we start scrubbing the, the scrubbing process to uh, kind of do that. But you break it down even further and assign points. That's a that's an interesting fact. So uh, for those of you listening, it's a fun process. Each person who does this bracketology comes up with a, a different way. But I think what you heard here uh, from Shelby is the key is use the criteria. A lot of times you hear ESPN and you hear other people using different mathematical formulas. And they might be used a little bit more this year and in future years. But until we get that, it's RPI and the tiers. Don't you agree? I agree 100%. Until the committee says, hey, we have – weighted it to where we're using Ken Palm, maybe 25% or BPI, 10% or whatever. They don't specifically call those out. They call out RPI. So that's what I'm going to use, like it or not. 
Yeah, and, and I, I feel that way too. And, and the only thing that I've noticed in doing some back research, Shelby, is that if teams are in the top 30 of Ken Palm, they usually get in. And every once in a while, there's an outlier that makes me look. I, I look a lot at outliers. You know, where where is Ken Palm different? Where is Sagarin different? I have I have someone high, they have someone low. Then I better do a better job of looking uh, at those outliers. And so I only use those mathematical formulas every once in a while just to see if I'm missing um, something. So let's move on to the top seeds. Um, I, I think there are six teams right now competing for those top four uh, teams. Uh, what do you think uh, for the number one seed? I think it's very competitive this year. I think so. I don't think it's as clear cut this year uh, as it has been in uh, the last few years. We've had where we've got a couple pretty much set by this time, and we may have that now, but we're not sure. I think Villanova and Purdue right now are probably the top two teams, and then there's the four, and I, my guess is we've got the same next four, but in a different order. Do you have? I have two Big Twelves and two ACC teams uh, yeah. fighting for for those uh, n- that number one seed. That's what I've got as well. I've been higher on your Duke uh, Duke Blue Devils than you have been, and then this new uh, sheet we put out today, I had to I moved Duke down to a, a two seed and put Virginia up. Yeah, I don't have Duke. I don't have a tier one road true road win yet. They've got two neutral courts, but until they get that true road win. Uh, and they've had opportunities to, to get it with Boston College and NC State. Those could end mm-hmm. up being tier one. But until they get it, I'm not going to do it. What, what's your thought on Oklahoma versus West Virginia? Uh, coin toss right now, I think. They're both mm-hmm. very, very good. Um, God, I just I, – I don't know. They're, they're, it's – you know, a lot of people penalized West Virginia this weekend for losing to Texas Tech, but they lost on the road to a top-10 team by one point. That's yes. not that's not that's not a game you necessarily should lose or should win, uh, so I couldn't knock them down off the one line. I did move them down below Purdue, but I'm co- I'm comfortable keeping them on the one line for now. You know, we we did move them down, and I don't like penalizing a team for a loss like West Virginia had. But what we do, what I do, and I get the young guys to do too, is we start from scratch. We just copy the nitty gritty off of Warren Nolan from scratch, and then start comparing mm-hmm. teams to try to eliminate some of that recency bias. And then I, my decision came down to, I think Oklahoma has um, now, what is it? Five um, oh, tier one, five tier ones. And, you know, um, the data like that has helped us quite a bit, but then you go to the team sheet and boy, it is a, it is a coin cost or a coin toss. And those are the things that our followers sometimes when they get mad, cause you hate this school and in Delphi bracketology hates this school. It's in comparison. You you have to make some tough choices. Yeah, see, I, here's proof that uh, I, I don't think it's that I hate a team. Duke is my team, and I'm not I'm not right. ready to put them on the one line yet. So I think that's being pretty fair. A lot of people. Do I've have, been messing with you. Yeah, a lot of people. I've been have messing them, with you on that. A lot of people do have them on the one line, and I can see it. And I think they've got the talent to get there, and probably will get there. But right now, January fifteenth, I can't do it. And let let me ask you a question. Um, how as you watch sports and the college basketball a lot and you see these teams and like, we think a team is a lot better than what their, their data is or their criteria is uh, a North Carolina, a Kansas. Those to me are really top teams, but their resumes don't prove it. Uh, how, how do you keep away that bias of, well, this team should be better. So let's rank them a little bit higher and just go with the raw criteria. Well, I, I think the, the committee has kind of helped us with that over the past few years. It seems more and more that the eye test isn't used, even though they claim mm-hmm. it is. Um, 
I, I think last year, Wichita State was a very interesting case. Uh, there were a bunch of people that thought they should be a top five seed maybe. And I just – you look at the, at the criteria, at their resume, they didn't have the big wins. They just didn't have what it took. I had them as a 10 seed. Committee put them as a 10 seed. Mm-hmm. So I try to eliminate the eye test pretty much. Um, yeah, the injury or something like that is different. But We got tricked into that a little bit and moved <clears throat> Wichita State up higher and then didn't get credit on the bracket matrix. Um, you know, um, you, you get caught up in those mathematical formulas a little bit and what everyone thinks. And uh, I like it that it's resume. The, the thing that I've gotten, Shelby, of the committee is I've really respected the committee the last three years since we've done this because they state criteria and for the most part, they stuck to it short of maybe Tulsa a couple years ago, getting in. That was kind of crazy, but um, 10, a couple years ago had teams that are at the five seed as champion. And I think it was Indiana was a champion and uh, Purdue and Michigan state, they were fours and fives and everyone around here was all (laughs) upset that they weren't higher, but the, but the resume didn't afford them. And and I think that's a key too, that we have to stick to the resume. Yeah. And if the committee says that's what they're going to do and they prove that they do it, Again, what you and I think a seed may, you know, a team may be seeded, yeah. maybe a, a line higher, or whatever. As long as they're sticking to their guns on their on what they're using, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, and that's another thing because people ask ask me, did you get all the number one seeds right last year? Well, yeah, we did. We're guessing what a group of people are doing. It's not Brian right. Tonsoni and Shelby Mass saying what would we do. Right. It is. We are trying to guess what the committee has done from from past experience, and that, that could add a little difficulty. Let me ask you about a couple teams that we have in the top 16 that are, you know, I'm sitting here looking at Auburn and Texas Tech and Clemson as teams that have decent resumes, but I'm not sure the quality wins and are they a two or three? And then I'm worried that maybe that's just my bias thinking that they weren't supposed to be good this year, so how can they be up there? And I need to get back to just looking at the resume. So your thoughts on Auburn, Texas Tech, and Clemson? Yeah, those three, I think uh, you and I agree on that, that going by preseason expectations, they are much higher right now than where they were supposed to be. And good for them for getting there. Um, I, I Are they going to stay there? I don't know, because usually teams that get – uh, do very well early in the season and get way up to that, uh, you know, to a, a high seed that did not have preseason expectations, they tend to fall back into the pack. And mm-hmm. that's okay if that happens. But I think right now I'm comfortable with having those three teams seated high. I almost put Texas Tech at two over Kansas because they beat them. But what held Texas Tech back for me was their non-conference strength of schedule. And if that, and the committee says that's one of their sticking points, then I'm going to go with that. So, so you look at non-conference over rather than overall strength of schedule. I look at both because look at both. The, the the bigger schools, the in the Power Five schools, they have opportunities that other uh, teams don't. So their in conference, their total conference or total strength of schedule should be yeah. much higher than their non-conference. If their non-conference is one seventy-five or worse. They yep. didn't make much of an effort to schedule. And the committee says, make the effort to schedule. If you don't, you will be penalized. Texas Tech is non-conference 199, <clears throat> according yeah. to, I think, when I copied the spreadsheet over last night. So there's an example of a team, even though they beat Kansas, uh, maybe the, the other criteria uh, brings them down. Yeah, we have Texas Tech at eight on the seed line in Kansas at nine. Um, and simply, we did look at head-to-head, but I can see exactly – uh, where you're looking at. And the difference between eight and nine is very minimal. Sure. Unless it is that cut line between a two and a three seed. 
Right. Uh, and that, that's what we found interesting in our group, too, is that you really got to concentrate on those cut lines. And, and I'll talk to you later about the bubble, but we did a poor job last year on the automatic bids. We didn't give enough time to study them, and we missed some teams in, in the point process in the, in the bracket uh, matrix thing. But, yeah, there's some teams. Let's, can I ask you uh, your thoughts? Uh, Kansas and North Carolina, here's the opposite effect. A team that we thought might be a top-tier team has taken some losses that they probably shouldn't have, but their resume looks halfway decent. And sometimes I think uh, the, our bracketologists, we might punish some of those top teams a little bit more. Um, but Kansas has five wins in Tier 1. North Carolina has four wins. Uh, just had a good win on the road at Notre Dame, a solid road win even without Colson. So what are your thoughts on teams like Kansas and North Carolina? Well, you look, you look at their non-conference. Both of them are in the top 20. So they, mm-hmm. did, they did what the committee wants. They scheduled tough out of conference. They know their RPI is going to take a bump up in conference because the rest of the teams, even if it's a, 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 the last team in the conference, it's still not going to be a big RPI hit. So they, they did what the committee wants. They won some games. Look at their non-conference wins. You know, Carolina, their best non-conference win is Tennessee, then Arkansas, then Ohio State. That's three pretty salty teams right now. And Kansas has Kentucky and Syracuse. Kentucky's a solid one, but Syracuse is a little iffy. But still, those are named teams that they're playing. Yep. And and so those are some of the key issues in the top four seed lines, which are always interesting to to look at. Let's look at just some some tough teams. We've already talked about Clemson, uh, but and you mentioned injuries before. We try to keep track of injuries and. Suspensions for me, not so much because that's that's a choice of the program. Yeah. But we have some teams in the five through eight or nine, and before we get to the bubble, that are tough. I think Arizona State is going to be a tough team to seed. Early success. Um, I think Kentucky has a questionable resume. Uh, so let's let's talk just right now about Arizona State first and Kentucky. Where what do you think of those teams at this point? Uh, Kentucky's one that this is one of those Kentucky teams. Well, like a lot of them are, they're they're very young. But I don't see a standout stud player with them. I think Knox is a nice player, but he doesn't remind me of the, the guys they've had recently that are super stud players that are going to carry the team. Uh, Calipari's been there. You also look at the coach. I mean, these coaches have been – Bobby Hurley hasn't been there as a coach like Calipari, obviously – but Calipari, he knows what to do to get his team motivated. Doesn't mean it always is going to work because they're kids. But I, I think that Kentucky is going to do better in the tournament than Arizona State. Arizona State may end up having more talent, but they've. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, I just don't know if Bobby Hurley is ready for that big of a stage um, as a head coach at a major program. Yeah, we we keep moving Kentucky up, and they have recently gotten a few wins that go into the tier. Uh, tier one, um, Arizona lost three games at the uh, Bahamas, I think, and then has um, lost one recently. They're an interesting uh, group. We have them as a five seed right now. I think that they're capable of moving up. What do you think about Arizona? Yeah, I think I've got them as a four seed right now and middle of the pack four seed. So we're not too mm-hmm. far off on them. Uh, they did beat Arizona State. That was nice. Uh, the A&M win isn't looking as good as it did. But they did play a pretty tough uh, strength of schedule. Non-conference is 40, and that's a nice number. The losses to SMU and North Carolina State may end up staying Tier 2. I doubt they get to Tier 1, but I don't think they'll drop to Tier 3 because they were neutral court, and you go to 200 on there. 
Yeah. Or 101 to 200. So I think they're pretty safe as long as they don't lose to Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Vanderbilt's the probably the worst team in the Southeast Conference, and that's not a knock. That's just the reality of the situation. We have um... – I, I think I, I miscounted here on my spreadsheet. I think we have Arizona as the last four seed. Um, so we're with you on that. But here's two teams that Cincinnati and Michigan State. Um, I think I have Cincinnati too high. I don't like their strength of schedule um, no. uh, at all. Uh, and Michigan State resume, they haven't, they've had not one nice win against North Carolina. So Cincinnati and Michigan State, your thoughts on, on their seeding and their direction? <clears throat> Yeah, Cincinnati, I keep – I'm moving them higher, not necessarily because they're doing anything outstanding, but the way I, I do the true seed list, one through 68, and when a team above them loses and falls, well, somebody's got to move up. And I think they've benefited from the middle of that one through eight group, the middle mm-hmm. of that not being very stable, and that's helped them move to the five line for me. I'm not sold on them like a lot of people are. Non-conference strength of schedule, 226. No bad losses, which they better not with that strength of schedule. Uh, their best non-conference win is Buffalo. Nice win, yeah. but doesn't, doesn't excite anybody. Uh, no. Michigan State, has, uh, you know, last year they played such a brutal schedule, and Tom Izzo said he would never do that again. Well, he went too far to the extreme the other way, I think. He, their non-conference is 182. They've got one tier one win over Carolina, which is nice. But other than that, they just in this past week, two losses and the only win was over Rutgers in overtime at home. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't make me jump up and down. No, and and I'm going to go a little bit off course here because I think you brought up a really good point. Is sometimes the RPI can be gained. You have a conference that plays each other and they keep winning. Uh, all you get is quality wins or tier one wins. And the opposite is Michigan State with the Big Ten. Right now, my Indiana Hoosiers are fourth in the Big Ten at four and two, and their RPI is 105. Yeah, so, I, I looked at Michigan State's schedule. They have, uh, in the regular season, they play two more games against teams that are in the top 50 in the RPI. That's Maryland and Purdue. That's it on the rest of their schedule. There's no opportunities for to go on a run and get some really nice RPI-helping wins. They, and they have only one Tier 1 win as of right now, I believe. Yeah, that's it. And and so you win those two, and, and that's three. And and then the other conferences, you know, even if a team goes seven and seven down the stretch, they may have six top tier wins in there. Exactly. Uh, it, like the SEC is is going to have seven, six, seven, eight teams possibly. The ACC has always had that that many. The, the Pac Pac twelve did that a couple years ago, I believe. They got rolling and 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 got several teams in. So Michigan State's in a uh, and, and let's go back to Purdue as a one seed. They can win and get passed by um, by some teams yes. just because they can't add enough. And I and I get a lot of followers, uh, Shelby, from Purdue. I'm 20 minutes mm-hmm. away, and they love me because I put them as a number one seed, and then I'm going to have to move them down when they win, and I'm going to get that you hate Purdue. Yeah, but. I've got a buddy that, does, that gives me uh, a hard time um, a lot because I, I he thinks that I put Purdue lower than they should be just to get him. And no, it's not that. I, I, I'm comfortable with them as a one now. But right. if, if they run the t- – I think the only way that they are secure as a one seed is if they win out and win the Big Ten tournament. That's a big ask, but there's just yeah. not the opportunity to bolster that RPI. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if you slip up, like the rivalry game, the Purdue-Indiana rivalry game, you go on the road to IU and you lose, that used to be not a bad loss. Right. That could be a sub-100 loss. Yeah, that could be a, a, a tough one. 
and, and I don't see Purdue dropping out of the top four seeds, one, two, no. three. I think they're going to be solid. But that one seed line is precious. And you yeah. slip up to a Big Ten team on the road or even at home, worse. Uh, and that's going to look a lot worse than, um, you know, Duke losing to Miami tonight. Yeah, that, that uh, exactly. For, for example, right? Um, so that that's interesting. The conference uh, stuff is there. So a couple other teams, Louisville, um, you know, they, they're, they're, I think they got one win. They have no tier two wins. Um, you know, where to, where to seed them? Because I think we all think they're a little bit better and they have some decent strength of schedule numbers right now. We have them um, at an eight or a nine. I'm looking here. I think we have them. Uh, we have them as the first eight seed. I've got them as the first nine seed. So uh, you're higher on them than I am. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where to place them sometimes because of their, their I don't think their resumes all that good, but they play in the ACC and they, you know, I don't, it's a it's snapshot good. right now, but yeah, it's going to improve. Yes. The, just being in their conference, it's going to improve. So um, let's go um, Butler and Marquette and some of the, um, let's talk a little bit about the big East here. I have, we have Butler and Marquette at the, in the eight, nine range. Um, and Creighton, uh, those are some teams that are interesting teams to seed. What are your thoughts on those Big East teams? I've got Creighton and Butler on the eight line and Marquette on the nine line. I, I think those are all uh, good teams. Butler just lost today at Providence, so that's mm-hmm. not a bad loss. But they've been losing a bit too much after that big win over Villanova. They need to turn it around. Uh, I, I think they can be comfortable. I don't want to say comfortably in, but I, I think they'll all be in unless they just fall apart. What, what's your thoughts on Providence? I've had them in, then out, and, mm-hmm. and now they've won a couple. I mean, DePaul wins just a safe win. You got to win that to be safe. Right. Uh, beating Butler's a nice win. There, you know, we're not yet to the question on bubble teams, but I, I, I'm watching Providence. I don't think you know they're the team that's maybe not in or in, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I've got them in right now, and I've done the same thing. They've bounced in and out, in and out. And they're in now, and I may move them to the nine line by beating a team that's above them. Um, but it's not – they don't get a big jump for that win, and they're still still in peril of doing enough to fall out. Let's talk a couple uh, bubble ACC teams or some teams that are um, – Miami of Florida, Florida State, um, Notre Dame, Syracuse. Those teams are somewhat difficult to seed. I have Miami and Florida a little <laughs> bit higher in the eight, nine range, seven, eight. I think you have Miami even higher than that. I've got them a six. Uh, You got them a six. Uh, I'm not as sold on them quite yet, but what to do at Notre Dame in the, in the Colson injury uh, and, and Syracuse. I have those two as a, a, some of the last teams in your thoughts on those ACC teams. Notre Dame and Syracuse are in my group of the last four in Uh, Notre Dame, I think has done pretty well without Colson, but you know, the bad thing for them is basically their season started over when he was out. So what they did before that is nice, but now they've got to redo things and get some more wins. If they could have pulled that one out this weekend over Carolina, that would have been a big one. Uh, Syracuse, I'm not sold on them. I'm never sold on them. They play such a weak, uh, weak non-conference, and plus I'm just not a Bayheim fan. Yeah. They're Florida a consistent State. bubble. Consistent yes, they bubble are. Team. Florida State, for me, I had them seated higher a couple weeks ago. And then as the RPI kind of settled in and I started filling out my spreadsheet and my formula that I do, Mm -hmm. uh, if I went by my formula, strictly by my formula, which I never do, but if I did, Florida State wouldn't be it. 
Interesting. Yeah, they're so far down with their non-conference strength of schedule and lack of quality wins. They've got a couple, but not where a team needs to be to feel pretty good. Yeah, 264 non-conference uh, strength of schedule is, is not doing what the committee wants, uh, like nope, you that, said earlier. No, they, and they will – They, I mean, look at – I think Seth Greenberg works for ESPN partly because of the committee. <laughs> yeah, he when he was in a bubble all the time. Yeah, and his strength of schedule was in the 300s. Yeah. You're not – it's not going to happen. I mean, SMU a few years ago, I think it was three years ago, they were ranked uh, in the AP Top 25. And here's mm-hmm. proof that the poll doesn't matter. They were ranked number 25 and didn't get in, partly because of their non-conference strength of schedule. And, and to my listeners, if you're trying to figure out this bracketology <laughs> stuff, Shelby makes a good point. The AP poll does not mean anything to what the committee is going to – to do so, uh, rankings are nice, and there's something to brag about, but that does not correlate to seedings uh, to some extent. Let's go SEC: um, Alabama, Missouri, Florida, LSU uh, are all teams that are in the nine, ten, eleven last group type stuff. In some interesting uh, wins. Let's start with Alabama. They have an interesting uh, resume. That is one of the more interesting ones out there. I think they just. They they can't figure out if they want to be good or not. They they win and then they lose, but they've got some nice wins and then they've got some questionable losses. And I, I just don't know. I think the talent is there. Sexton uh, is a heck of a player. He's fun to watch. I want to see him in the tournament, but that's not part of the criteria for getting in. So <clears throat> what's going to help these guys is the SEC is so loaded that they're going to beat each other up all year and nobody's going to take a big RPI hit. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be right there in the discussion come selection Sunday. So you might see some of those teams that four through seven, four through eight in the SEC get in the nine, ten, eleven range simply because the RPI of the conference has been strong. What's your take on Florida? Uh, started out the year real strong and then then fell away and then has made a little bit of a comeback lately. Um, where do you have them seated and, and what do you think their prospects are this year? I think their prospects are pretty good. I think they're one of the better teams in the Southeast Conference. I've got them uh, as my first seven seed right now. And again, right now, I, there's so many of these teams that I could see moving them up to the six line. Maybe you're down to eight or nine, but there's a lot of teams that are like that. And mm-hmm. I, I think they're good. I think they've got the talent. I like the coach. I like what he's doing. Um, I think they'll be okay, but they've got to get back to playing how they did early season. Yeah, LSU's been a new team for us that we just started watching the last couple of weeks. Um, they, they've had a couple of nice wins recently, and, and their resume is okay. Uh, enough to get into consideration. And when our listeners, when we talk 9, 10, 11, your, your bubble teams are going to be in the 11 range, 10 range, to where a bad run can drop those teams out. And if you're in the 8 or 9 range, you're a bad run away from being on the bubble or even out of the bubble. So for me, the definition of bubble is 9, 10, and 11. Uh, Shelby, what's your definition of bubble? Uh, I, I would go even up to seven sometimes. I've okay. seen teams in the last two weeks that I had it. Now, of course, me having them on the seven line doesn't mean that's where the committee did, but I've had teams on the seven line that lost out and were out of the tournament. So so let's go. we got a few minutes left um, here before Duke takes the stage. and uh, let's Talk about some teams that are out uh, that, that you think have a, a decent chance of getting in over, over the uh, course of the year. Uh, and these are what we call our first four out in the bracketology world for the listeners. Uh, um, talk about some of yours, and we'll see if we match up. I have SMU, USC out. I think you have USC in in a play-in yeah. game, if I'm right. Yep, as of last night. That went over of, Utah where they, they dominated Utah. 
Um, Boise State has got our interest, UCF, St. Bonaventure, and that goes to my last we'll, – we'll get to my last question after we're done with that, but the mid-majors. But talk about some of those teams that you think might be uh, ready to break in into the bracket. Well, I was talking up St. Bonaventure a couple of weeks ago, and then they went out and lost two in a row, <laughs> or three or four. Um, I, I think they're a pretty good team. The way they went up to Syracuse and won that game, they really need Syracuse to can get their get a streak going and help their RPI because that will help St. Bonaventure. There's not too many opportunities in the A-10 to get significant wins. They had one this weekend at Rhode Island and lost it. Western Kentucky, I want to ask you specifically about their three uh, tier three losses. How does that affect, um, you know, versus their big win against Purdue? I think you have them in in the play-in game, correct? Yeah, I do, and that's, my, uh, I think, my last team in. Uh, I think those three Tier 3 losses are probably going to hurt them. It's going to be like a Monmouth situation a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I still think Monmouth should have got in. But uh, I think ultimately that will be their downfall. I don't see them getting in as an at-large. I have them now just because there's not too many teams that I feel comfortable putting in over them. And with Purdue playing so well and the fact that they beat them on a neutral court, that's why they're in for me. And SMU, too, they got a nice win there. What um, bad losses, how, how do they affect, um, you know, I look at that if a team is comparable and has a loss in tier three or tier four, I usually would rank that team a, a, a seed lower than the team that doesn't have any tier teams. The problem that we have as a group is when a team has four tier one wins and another team has two and the four tier team ones might have one or two losses versus in the bad sections, so three and four. So if you get how does that play in your mind, or is it more who have you beaten and who you scheduled? Who have you beaten and who have you scheduled? I think the committee has the, – the good outweighs the bad. Uh, there's not going to be a team out there that doesn't have some sort of bad on their resume uh, unless they're just undefeated, and then you go to look at strength of schedule. It may not be that right. good. Um, I, I think that for, if it's just one, they'll probably just overlook it. If it's two or three, then yeah, we need to discuss more. Yeah, so a Wofford beating North Carolina in your mind isn't necessarily – it might hurt them from a one-seed to a two-seed line, but it's not going to hurt them tr- tremendously uh, two- or three-seed lines. I, I don't think so. The fact that it's a home game might. What will mm-hmm. help uh, Carolina is if Wofford becomes the auto bid because they right. do look at wins over teams in the tournament. That's one of the criteria. That That's that's an interesting fact. And then you also bring up the what we learned since we've been doing this for three years – you root for your schedule. Uh, if you're a Purdue fan, if you're a, a Duke fan, a Michigan State fan, whatever, you've got to root for the teams that you've beaten and even root for the teams that have beaten you so it looks better. Yeah, how, how weird is it for Purdue if they go to Indiana and lose to a team outside of the top 100 and then they got to root for them to win games to get inside the top 100? <laughs> that's painful. And, and that's painful. That's the way it is. That's what I don't like about the RPI, but it wouldn't matter what mathematical formula you're using. That, that's got to uh, – be, I wonder if there's some time you could take a, a where when you beat them snapshot, or would that be just too much data collection? Like if you beat a team that's ranked in a in a top twenty RPI in November, and then they have an injury and they lose eight in February, that that doesn't punish you. I'd like to see that. I don't. I just don't know how reasonable that is. Yeah, as far as putting it in a metric of some sort, I don't think it's feasible. But the NCAA does have all that information available to them, so they can see right. they beat. This team, when they were at full strength, uh, fifth week of the season, stuff like that. They do have that. 
let, let me let me. I'm gonna throw out a scenario. We'll end this. And uh, again, I, I thank you a lot. But I have this thought: um, 32 automatic qualifiers. Why don't we go to 32 at-large bids and then save four for your um, smaller conference champions that get beat in tournaments? What my proposal was a couple of years ago, which obviously the NCAA didn't listen to me. <laughs> uh, if you want to have play-in games, fine. Make those play-in games for the last eight at-large teams. Don't right. hurt the teams that won the, 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 the smaller conferences and the mid-majors that did what they had to do by winning that conference tournament. Let them go in and play. I know these games are on TV, but let them play in the, the big spotlight. Mm-hmm. They've earned the right to do that. And the Tuesday, Wednesday be the, the last eight at large teams. And that way you've got it, more interest than I think you would now when you've got two 16 seeds playing on a Tuesday night. I like that. I also, I like right now, if you take safe spots for mid-majors, if a Boise State gets upset in a tournament, I don't know if they're mid-major, they are to me, but, um, you know, you you go down and a Missouri State who has a pretty decent RPI and a heck of a player, I think the guy, I forget his name, uh, at Missouri State. I do that a lot. Um, But there's some of of these teams that you look at that would be fun to get in and see if they can't get a first-round upset at, if they're sitting at the 11 or 10 seed, but um, I don't I think, think the NCAA, I don't think they would ever do that just because you don't know how many of those uh, yeah. uh, regular season champs are going to get beat. Right. It would have to be a selection or maybe an RPI, the top RPI. But if you have a Nevada right now, right. And yeah. Nevada gets beat. I, I don't see, uh, um, I don't see why they can't be selected in. And the problem is they don't have enough scheduling issues to go out and, and, um, get quality wins. Even the Missouri right. Valley is not scheduled heavily. You might play one or two big guys, uh, but even if you just win one or two and you take some losses inside your conference, uh, I'd like to see a few more mid-majors get in just from a fan perspective, not a bracketologist yeah. perspective. That, yeah, I agree. And I, I think Nevada might be one of those rare instances that if they do lose, as long as it's not first round to the, the worst team in the conference, they've got a right. legit shot for an at-large. I think right. they've they played agree. a tough enough schedule. Shelby, I appreciate you taking some time for this rookie bracketologist. Um, you, you've done yeah, you're, this. And, you're no rookie anymore. You're not a rookie anymore. <laughs> well, our kids, I'm going to play this podcast for our, our bracketology group. Uh, I think they can learn a lot from following you. And, again, this is Shelby Maston. At, on Twitter, it's at BracketWag. And, and your website, I don't have it memorized. I have a bookmark. Go ahead and share your, your website. The website is BracketWag.com. And starting after okay. the Super Bowl, I'll be in USA Today every day. And I'd, I'd like to say one more thing about the RPI for the fans that that don't like it or whatever. Um, compared to Ken Palm, Sagren, and all those that are metrics-based, offense efficiency, defensive efficiency, those are nice systems. I don't think the, the committee wants results. The, 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 they pick these teams at large based on results. Ken Palm doesn't necessarily do that. And if they want results, RPI is the way to go. And I will second that. Um, As a formerly rookie, as Shelby has now anointed me a veteran, (laughs) um, I appreciate, um, you know, our friendship, internet friendship, our email friendship, Twitter friendship. Uh, Again, it's sometimes in this world we need people to to share and give away what they have. And and you haven't uh, been anything but great to us here at Delphi Bracketology. So, Thank you again, and this is a, we'll end a Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Um, follow us at Sports Tons on Twitter. 
uh, give us a shout out. If you want to hear something to talk about, we'll talk about more basketball, uh, baseball, whatever you'd like to talk about on this podcast. Thanks goes out to Shelby Mast. Again, good friend, good bracketologist, great bracketologist. Thanks again. Uh, and we will see you next week. Thanks.